1: Hello and welcome into the post Minnesota Vikings Dallas Cowboys Purple Daily Podcast version, Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad here with you. Where would you like to start, Judd? Because there's about 50 different places, (laughs) and I feel like after you just got done talking with Ventline Callers, I'm guessing that quite a few were upset about the defense, and the other half of the audience probably wanted to say, see, I don't know why you guys ever criticize Kirk Cousins. It's all just fine and always has been. So which area would you like to begin? I would
0: like to begin in the area, not of necessarily on the field performance, although we can certainly get largely into the evening of one Dalvin Cook, who was brilliant tonight. But I would like to begin uh, by praising people I criticized last week. A week ago, the Vikings went into Kansas City, and I think we all talked about you, me, the rest of our staff, and for the life of us. We couldn't figure out what Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski were doing when it came to scheme and play calling tonight. I thought that the scheme and play calling were outstanding. And, and here's the, okay. So here's the one call that we got about the, oh, you guys should have backed off. And now you see Kyle Rudolph, right? Yeah. This is look folks, Kyle Rudolph's a couple touchdown catches in the end zone tonight and a two point conversion catch. This is not us being proven wrong. This is them saying, oh, wait, hold on a second. So he's not great in space because he's not fast. But if we throw the ball to him and basically say, go get it in the end zone, he's going to catch it. Bravo Vikings play calling. Bravo Vikings scheme. I I thought that they went into a difficult environment tonight against the Dallas team that certainly has its issues. But nonetheless, that's a primetime game. Everything that we've talked about. And I thought that they schemed themselves in an outstanding way to a victory.
1: Well, I would like to say first that if you go back to our website, scorenorth.com, go to Google, Google, type in... Kirk Cousins Primetime Score North. What you will find is an article from last year that I wrote looking at every primetime game up until that date, which was before they played the Green Bay Packers. I believe it was on Sunday Night Football. And what I found was that Kirk Cousins was routinely very good in primetime and didn't always come out with a win. And I took a look at why. And sometimes it was because he had a bad defense or sometimes it was because there were some moments he didn't come through, but other moments where he did. And other times he played terribly. Like pretty much Kirk Cousins has always been for his entire career. So I have never bought into the Kirk Cousins primetime narrative. It has usually been Kirk Cousins versus good teams, which I think that does have legitimacy, especially when it comes to playing good defenses. Now, I do not believe that this Dallas defense is great. But they're certainly not terrible. Like, they have talent. They have a good defensive line. They have good cornerbacks, one of which got roasted a couple of times by Stephon Diggs. Like, they have pretty good players on the defensive side, but... What the Vikings did in this game was designed the absolute perfect A-plus game plan to take on a team that was going to be very aggressive going after Delvin Cook. And A, it didn't work against his running because he still ran very successfully. But they knew that those defensive linemen... Some of them, Dexter Lawrence and Michael Bennett, they love to get up field fast. They love to explode and go right after the quarterback. And you know what they did? They ran screen passes and they ran screens and they ran screens and they were creative. And Delvin Cook comes away with 86 yards receiving. I mean, this is a thing that we have been talking about for I don't know how long. This guy can catch the football. He can make plays if you get him in just the, even the littlest, tiniest bit of space. And my gosh, they took advantage in so many ways of the cowboys and their aggressiveness and then they also took advantage of the fact that sean lee is washed and i thought this was brilliant <laughs> John. See, yep. they, they know he's washed. They know that the other two guys, Smith and Vander Esch, are great players, but they also have this linebacker who kind of reminds me of Chad Greenway in his last season where you really don't want him on the field all that much. But guess what? The Vikings said we're going to come out with C.J. Ham constantly. We're going to come out with Irv Smith and Rudolph constantly. Throw in Tyler Conklin out there. We're going to make you put three linebackers on the field and see if all three of them can play. And guess what? Sean Lee can't really tackle like he used to be able to and I don't know how many broken tackles Delvin had on Sean Lee specifically but I could think of two or three right off the top of my head that's just great play design great play calling a great job of manipulating the defense to be in the type of situation you want them in not how they want to be in and it was just well done and it's Kevin Stefanski taking Kirk Cousins and saying you know what and Kirk even admitted this. If you get into a drop-back passing game, Kirk Cousins versus Dak Prescott, you will lose. But they never let Kirk get into a drop-back passing game. He made a couple of bad plays uh, on drop-back passes. There was one that was thrown to Kyle Rudolph that was nowhere near him and could have easily been a pick. There was another one down the sideline to Stephon Diggs that, again, was nowhere really near him, and Diggs wasn't even remotely open. I mean, that yep. those things happen with Kirk Cousins on third and long. But Stefanski knows that. He never let him get into third and long almost for the entire night. And then they could run play actions. Brilliant play calling at the goal line. They get the two-point conversion. They find Rudolph exactly like you said. The perfect usage of Kyle Rudolph. I thought this was the game where other executives around the NFL are watching and they're sitting in their couches at home. And they're saying to their wives or families, What do you think of this Kevin Stefanski guy for our head coaching position? I think this was the game where people are going to look back at and say, that was the turning point for Stefanski to get a head coaching job next year because this was just an A-plus job from Stefanski tonight against the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, exactly. And two, it did a great job. And this is where Kirk can be very good. If you take Kirk and mold him into the game plan that you want, he can execute it. Yes. It's sort of when you turn them loose and you're like, okay, Kirk, you can do this and that. And then Kirk gets I I don't know if overwhelmed is the right word, but something happens. But they didn't do that tonight. And it was impressive. And also kudos. I mean, Dalvin Cook, you're incredible. Dalvin Cook is the fact. And the rushing yards were nice and impressive. But you went up against against the guy who I, I think is basically nationally probably considered the top back or if not the top back, one of the top couple backs in Zeke in the game today, and you outperformed him. And the other thing that you did, and this is the one thing that on his best day, Adrian Peterson could never do, was you incorporated him into your pass game in a huge way, and he thrived and was successful. And watching Dalvin Cook on that stage in prime time tonight was a pleasure and was super impressive.
1: I want to go as far to say is the way he's playing football right now ranks up there with the greatest running back performances in a single season that I can remember. I mean, this is one that goes up with Sean Alexander at his greatest I mean, I'm not exactly saying 2,000-yard Adrian Peterson, but when you think about the total value that he is bringing to his offense, the fact that he could put up 86 yards receiving, 97 yards rushing against a good defensive line, and with his own offensive line injured, Dakota Dozier had to go in there for Josh Klein, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be that way for a little while because Josh Klein, this is his second concussion, and yet it didn't matter. Delvin Cook just shredded tackles. If you get him any sort of space – people cannot bring him down he is incredibly explosive and i don't know how many times you know he gets the ball a couple yards behind the line of scrimmage and then it looks like he's locked up and instead it's 15 yards, it's 20 yards. I mean, he just was incredible on the national stage and is doing everything they ever dreamed he could do. I mean, they knew this was the reality when you go back to the first days of camp that he even arrived. Everybody looked at him and said, Oh my gosh, this is one of the best and most talented running backs we've ever been around. And he just needed to stay healthy this long to show it. I mean, he was this good last year. They just weren't giving him the ball enough, which I think Zimmer has been justified in. Uh, now being upset with John D. Filippo for not giving Cook the ball enough, um, but you know, I, I mean, it just—I I can't think of many guys who are this unstoppable. And you know what, Judd? When you get the ball with a four-point lead and you can just hand it to Delvin Cook pretty much every single play and take Correct. five minutes off the clock, that is an yep. incredible
0: asset for you. Oh yeah, it's it's huge. And and the thing is, he can do it. He's fine. He's. He, he is a player, there are are some guys who you watch, heck, you know what, AP, right? AP would get the ball and it would be fantastic and it could be great sometimes, but in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, this, my God, is he going to fumble? Is he going to do this or, or that? And this does not mean that he was not a Hall of Fame great player, but Dalvin Cook, you don't fear that. And, you know, the o- the only thing that I saw tonight involving Cook that made me almost jump out of my seat and say, what the hell are you guys doing? Was the late game pitch to him when he sort of fumbled the ball. And I thought, is this going to be the most Vikings thing of all time? (laughs) But, but to your point in the situations where Dalvin is part of the pass game, run game, or both, you don't really have this trepidation or complete fear that it's going to get screwed up because he's a solid player. I think he's a smart player. And, and if you had come to me, Matthew on Wednesday and said, here's the game plan. Kirk's not going to be be great, but he's not going to ask to be great. He's going to roll out a bunch of bootlegs, and Dalvin Cook is going to be the star of this game. I would have said that makes a lot of sense. Yep, and it definitely did. And that that's the one thing that drives me crazy when you watch a game plan that makes no sense or coaching or coaching decisions, i.e., Jason Garrett late in that game, for which I would have gone downstairs if I was Jerry Jones and fired him immediately. Yep, I agree. That drives me nuts. But the Vikings today or tonight offensively, almost everything they did. I said, you know what? I get that. That makes sense.
1: Uh, Using Irv Smith. I talked about that this week. Like that, what you said about uh, Kyle Rudolph, only use him to his strengths. Kyle Rudolph. Caught four passes and averaged 3.5 yards a catch, but he caught two touchdowns, and I believe he converted a third down out of those four. He doesn't need to catch a ton of passes. They just need to mean something, which they always have. And Stephon Diggs did not light everything up, but he had a big catch down the sideline that set up a key field goal for them. I mean, just everybody was getting involved. Seven different receivers. Treadwell gets a first down. B.C. Johnson with a couple of catches tonight. And this is where Kirk Cousins did a great job, which is... He found a bunch of different guys. He did not turn the ball over. I mean, he came close the one time when Dexter Lawrence hit his arm. But other than that, he did not turn the ball over. And that's four games in which he hasn't. Last year, it was every time they couldn't afford a turnover, a fumble or an interception, a pick six primetime games, games against big opponents, that seemed where Kirk was reliable for a pick six or, or the worst thing that you could ask for, you know, a, a strip sack. Green Bay, this, C- year, right, exactly, Green Bay this year. Seattle, right, exactly. Week two, bad what, fumble. So what you needed from him is exactly what Zimmer has been preaching. And this is the thing that I, I've never said Zimmer was wrong, that they need the ball in Delvin Cook's hands and they need Kirk not to turn it over. I've always kind of gone toward, you know what, but make sure you're hitting balls down the field. But here's the thing, when opponents adjust to you like the Chiefs did to say, you know what, we're not going to give those up, and Kirk said after the game, and they weren't really giving them up on the bootlegs that they were ready for them, well, that's when he has to turn into game manager Kirk. I've always been skeptical of game manager Kirk, but I think that this was the perfect version. This was the version where Mike Zimmer could walk off that field and say, that's what I've been looking for from you, Kirk. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, he completed drives with field goals sometimes which you could criticize him for but at least they put up points they didn't blow you know these long drives that, that got him down there they finished a couple of them and that's where I think he was really really good and then you add that together with an unbelievable performance out of your running back and that's how you get enough to win but I do want to talk about the Jason Garrett thing for a little bit I've never really understood with the amount of winning that he did um, or that he's done since he's been their head coach And I don't mean championships, obviously, but a lot of regular season success and not super long ago at 13 and three season. Why he's always in the hot seat conversation (laughs) other than just Dallas. But now I get it. Can we just talk about all the different botch jobs? Okay. The field goal to start the game. And this ends up costing them. It's fourth and I don't know, seven or something. You're on the other side of the field. It's a bomb field goal. It's a field goal from Arlington And And it's stupid. And you run the guy out there with what? Maybe a 20 or 30%. I know he's got a big leg, but it's not a high percent chance to get it. Much higher. stupid. It's a much higher percent chance against this Vikings defense to complete a six yard pass with Amari Cooper out there just eating everybody alive. Okay. And and so he he blows that right off the bat. Then they late in the game, they're going down and it's fourth down and something like six or seven at, at the six yard line, I think fourth and goal. And what does he do? Kicks a field goal to be down four points as if that helps you. How exactly does that help you to be down by four points? If you miss that, then the Vikings have to go from their own end zone. If you get it, then the game is tied. I mean, just completely insane decisions. And then at the end, the one that really would make me, as you said, Jerry Jones, just make the phone call down there. I'm not even walking down. I'm just saying, Kellen Moore will coach the rest of the season. The two, and maybe this was Kellen Moore's fault.
0: I but, hope it wasn't.
1: But he's on the headset. Garrett's on the headset. The two handoffs to Ezekiel Elliott on on second and third down are yes. so bat bleep crazy stupid that I I just yelled. I just like what? I mean, I I could not believe those plays. I, I mean, that's. You, all day long, they could not run the football at all, and they're throwing for nearly 400 yards. Prescott is just cruised down the field into the red zone, and you're going to not only run once and have it stuffed, but run twice? I mean, I, so,
0: I was apoplectic, Judd.
1: So I, I could not believe so, that that happened.
0: So on that drive, which started, by the way, which started because of a nice cold quit punt, and, and I don't understand what, what Austin was doing by allowing that punt to go, but he did. So it starts at the six-yard line, okay? So Dallas starts at their six. Dak Prescott throws – there's eight plays. The first eight plays, Dak Prescott throws seven passes. There's one Zeke one in there on first and ten from the Vikings, 31 for four yards, okay? So now you're sitting pretty. After Amari Cooper makes another catch for eight yards, you're sitting pretty. Second and two at the Vikings, 11, right? So you're in good shape here. You're in great shape. Number one, I'm thinking – why aren't you trying to bleed more clock here? Because your defense is crap. So try and so I would try and score slowly as possible to basically end that game, right? But then they hand it to Zeke for no game. Okay, that's pretty dumb, I'm thinking to myself. You're not going to do that again. No huddle shotgun. They get to the line of scrimmage again. Vikings 11, now it's 3rd and 2. And they hand it to Zeke again for a 3-yard loss. Yeah, it's inexplicable. And then the last pass of the game on 4th and 5 for the for the Cowboys was an incompletion to Zeke when you've got this array of weapons, which the Vikings really couldn't stop.
1: No, they couldn't stop them at all. And we'll get to that in just a second. But th- that's exactly my beef here is that you're cruising down the field with a certain strategy. And then you just change it up as soon as you get in the red zone and decide now is the time to hand it off to a guy who's averaging about two yards of carry on that night. Uh, I don't get that. And you you mentioned the clock management. Now, here's what's wild about that. There's two different approaches to that. You could approach it as, hey, I'm going to give us enough time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us enough time and, and hurry up that if we don't make it, then we've got another shot at getting the ball back and scoring again, which they would yep. have. Or you can, like you said, bleed the clock all the way down every time you've run a play all the way to the end and Then say, all right, now we're going to have four seconds left. It's going to come down to a last play. They did neither one of those things. (laughs) Like, I I mean, and even from Zimmer's perspective, I think you probably should have been calling timeouts because then, you know, if they score, you've got a chance to win the game. But I don't hate the approach of just saying, I'm going to let you dictate this, Cowboys, and see if you screw it up. And, yep, they screwed (laughs) it up in two different ways. And, And so, you know, it goes to the kind of the way that the Vikings have won and lost these big games this year is it's been you know in Chicago it's it's a Stefan Diggs fumble that maybe wasn't a fumble and then in Green Bay it's a pick in the back of the end zone that also might have been pass interference but that wasn't called and and then in you know Kansas City it's a 54-yard field goal by a guy who had a field goal blocked today to end up losing a football game and and it's just I mean, it's been from that perspective, a lot of entertaining football games when they play other good teams and when they do get into the playoffs, because now, I mean, I'm not saying that the Vikings can't blow this because I was here in 2016 and you guys all remember the Josh McCown touchdown, you know, from 2000, what was that? Two, 2003, Um, three. So it can happen that you can blow big leads, but they are now in the absolute driver's seat to make the wild card. And they even have a chance still at winning the NFC North. They've got another shot at the Packers. The Packers don't have the easiest schedule. They go on the road a lot. The Vikings will be home a lot the rest of the way. And it now feels like this is a big time swing, Judd, to this entire season.
0: It does. But let's switch to our our next topic, because I do think that that we need to talk about something that began. I, I feel like it began as a brush fire. It was a Xavier Rhodes brush fire, right? And we sort of talked about, man, this isn't good. And I think we were exactly right. And the, and the decline had been had been something that was coming and started definitely in 2018, not 19. But I think we confined the brush fire to number 29 for quite a while. I think we now have a full-on burning fire here. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we what do. What is your observation? Now, Trey Waynes didn't play tonight. Um, Mike Hughes did. Mike Hughes got picked on. But what is your observation of what can be done here? Because this past defense now, this is no, no longer, as the kids like to say, small sample size. This has to be concerning.
1: Oh, this is now a bad pass defense. I don't think there's any other way you can put it. I mean, when they came into this game ranking 19th in quarterback rating against, and I guarantee you, even though the late interception is going to screw Dak Prescott's quarterback rating, which just tells you a little bit about that statistic sometimes, uh, how wonky it can be. But, you know, he had 101 quarterback rating still despite that Hail Mary interception. And so that rating against is only going to get worse after this game. And it's clear now that if you have a halfway decent quarterback and if you have good weapons on the outside, you can smoke the Vikings. And I go back to – the impact that it has when Xavier Rhodes can't be the shutdown guy that everybody else gets exposed and asking Mike Hughes to go up against Amari Cooper, who is one of the best wide receivers in the game. Since he's gone to Dallas, he has become next level. He was already a two time pro bowler. And now he's taken that to an even better level with maybe a more aggressive quarterback in Dak Prescott. And, That was unstoppable for Mike Hughes. I I think that that challenge was a little much for him. Mike Zimmer said they tried all sorts of different things. They rolled coverage. They tilted coverage, as he said, in their direction, and it just did not matter. And I don't think it's going to. I I mean, I think that they could try a lot of different things. They blitzed a few times tonight. Prescott took care of that. And when you're playing against a quarterback that's really good, and my God, was Dak Prescott good. And, yep. and, and so you go up against somebody who is of that caliber with weapons that are this good. I mean, this is a little bit of a preview of how are you going to win a playoff game? Well, you're going to have to win it with offense. I think that might be a scary proposition. It becomes a lot less scary with Delvin Cook, though, I think, um, but Kirk Cousins will have to win you and Kevin Stefanski will have to win you and Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen when he comes back and Delvin Cook will have to win for you in the playoffs because whoever you play will have players like this. If you got to go to the Saints, guess who they got? Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, underrated great receiver, now plays for San Francisco, George Kittle too. I mean, they got weapons. I mean, wherever you go, you have to play great weapons on the other team and guess what? This is what it's going to look like. I, I just think this is the reality that we live in. They cannot create any pressure up the middle on third downs like they used to with Sheldon Richardson. So it's, it has to all be on the outside, and they know that with Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter. There isn't the Tom Johnson anymore. There isn't the Sheldon Richardson anymore pushing up the middle, and there isn't the shutdown corner anymore. And those are huge, huge things that add to your defense. I, I, I decided after last week when uh, – Matt Moore ripped them up that that's how it was going to be. And that's how it was. And I guess in my mind, that also makes it even a little more impressive that they won because it had to be with offense and offense. As we know, Judd is generally more predictable and more reliable than defense
0: is when you get into the playoffs. All right. But what's the slight and and I get it. Your, your, uh, your personnel is your personnel at this point, Matthew, but you've got Denver next week, which you should win you got to bye week then. if you're Zim, what you've got to tweak something, right? You've got to find a way to disguise something. You've got to come up. I'm, I'm not saying that you can fix the problem completely because I don't think at this point that you can, but what in the schematics can you at least toy with or play with? Because if you go in uh, with the lack of pressure and the past defense that you did tonight into the game, which I believe is going to be three weeks from Monday in Seattle and Russell Wilson, I think he's gonna just pick you apart. And I think you're gonna score points because that Seattle defense is not that good. But the point being is you gotta come up with something that teams can't identify or at least gives them a little bit of cause to pause and say, Oh, they're changing things up slightly, if nothing else, don't you?
1: I wish I had an answer, but I don't think I have better answers than Mike Zimmer does, and he is yet to find what it is that he needs to do and you know what we've seen him do is try to send those blitzes a little more and against Dak Prescott that just didn't really work and that that's usually his answer against bad or young quarterbacks but when you play the good quarterbacks when they play Russell Wilson if they think they're just gonna send Harrison Smith a lot like they did tonight didn't work or that they're gonna they're gonna do the double a gap thing did you notice that Prescott was absolutely brilliant when they would Load up the front of the defensive line, and so you don't know who's coming. Is it going to be Bar? Is it going to be Kendricks? Is it going to be Smith? And they would drop out a lot of times. That Prescott would take a pause, and he would go through his progression and find his guy. Like a lot of times, what we see is panic there from quarterbacks. Uh oh, what are they doing? Oh no, they fooled me. They're dropping back, and then you see looking around, looking around. Prescott is a better quarterback than that. I walked away saying. You better pay that guy if you're the Dallas Cowboys because you're not going to find this easily, all right? I think we've put Prescott too much in the, well, he's like the 17th best quarterback. I think he's better than that. I think he's gotten aggressively better, and now with weapons, we see what he can truly be, which is, I think, a quarterback who could take you deep in the playoffs. With a performance like that, he can absolutely take you deep in the playoffs, and this is a guy who went 13-3 and as a rookie, so this is... I mean, he's no joke as a quarterback, and I saw a lot of great things tonight, but I I think that that's what good quarterbacks can do against the trickery that Zimmer is throwing out there. And personnel-wise, I mean, tell me if I'm crazy here, Judd. Tell me if it's nuts. Would it be over the top if I said maybe they should just try Holton Hill a little bit more often, and maybe they should have tonight when Mike Hughes was struggling so much? I don't know where Hill is in terms of his understanding of the defense, but I do mm-hmm. know that his physical skill one on one with guys might be a little better than Mike Hughes at this point.
0: What, what it was, I believe, in the first quarter when they tried to find when Dak tried to find Witten over the middle or thereabouts and Holton Hill broke the playoff. Yep. Well, the thing I like about Holton Hill, and, and this might long term attempt to be a problem too, but the thing I like about him is I don't think he really has a conscience and I think he's, he's basically fearless which means that if he does screw up, he's not going to dwell on said screw up. Um, But you know what? I mean, Trey Waynes didn't play tonight. He played a a week ago against the Chiefs. He was not good. So him coming back, it's not, it's not like it's going to save save you today. It's not going to help things. Uh, If, if, and I believe the Star Tribune reported tonight that Linval Joseph underwent uh, a underwent a procedure on his knee for a torn meniscus. So my guess is now he's out till after the bye. That's a big loss. So, I don't know. I just got to think during that bye week that there has to be something that you change up a little bit that we don't see coming. So, because right now, if if you want to pick on this Vikings pass defense, it ain't hard. It's not, you know, I mean, Dak is good, but so is Russell Wilson. You're going to play who? Rodgers. If Stafford's back, um, and, and I know he's out with a back problem, he didn't play today, but if Matthew Stafford comes back, go down that list. So, you are still going to be matched up against quarterbacks who are going to be like vikings pass defense awesome uh, one thing i will say though is this an appreciation for not only dak but amari cooper as well the first time that cooper made that phenomenal sideline grab where it looks like he's got something special on his his cleats basically yeah. to hang on i thought oh man that's a nice little play uh, boy they saved that play and and it's just a sort of fluky play by the third time i realized it's Bleeping design. Dak rolls out mm-hmm. and basically puts the ball on a dime to the sideline. And this guy makes catches that Mike Hughes might turn out to be great, but I don't think there are a lot of cornerbacks in this league, from the bad ones to the great ones, who can stop that play. My God, is that an impressive play. And watching that, that was a- as close as football can become to being beautiful. That play is beautiful.
1: That was one of the plays of the year by opponents of the Vikings that we've seen yep. when covering games it, it was incredible and that's what you're going to get too. is that you know Tyreek Hill's a great player and he's going to make great plays against you sometimes and Amari Cooper's a great player and he's going to do it too that a lot I think a lot of Vikings fans have gotten pretty spoiled over the years here with such amazing Zimmer defenses that you just expect them to shut down every team every week and this is this is what we've been talking about it's like It finally arrived that we were waiting. When is it going to drip a dip a little bit? When is it going to drop off a little bit? And here it is. And what you have to do is you have to have a quarterback who can show up in a big game like this and overcome it. And they did. And the other thing, too, is I will say Zimmer's defense has been overall meh this year, like a fringe top 10. In the the red zone, though, they've been magnificent, and I think that saved some games. And, I mean, it kept them in Kansas City game. It definitely kept them in this game. Uh, They could have fallen apart if they had given up uh, a touchdown late there and then forced Kirk Cousins to drive for a win. That's a very different game if they don't stick them twice in the red zone to win. So if you have to be Ben, don't break, and let teams move the ball a little on you and get into the red zone. And then that's when you lock them down because that's when Harrison Smith and Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr are so valuable for you. And it's not so much cornerbacks in space. Well, then that may be what you have to do. That might be the adjustment is just leaning into this. You know, it's joked around about leaning into the Kirk Well, leaning into the struggles of the corners and saying, you know what? Let's keep everything in front of us. Let's not give up big plays. If they want to do 10 yard hitches, well, go ahead. Do your 10-yard hitches and where we're going to get you is when you get down in the red zone. That might be how it has to go. But I think overall, like this is we're going to really see it whether the 84 million was worth it, Judd. I mean, this is to me this is very exciting. Like down the down the stretch here when Kirk has to win the big games. And yep. he has to perform well. And you have to have these playmakers who are in place who you've built up over the years. And this offensive line that is playing, even though it got crushed by Kansas city played pretty well tonight. I mean, when you've got all this invested in the offensive line, all this invested in these other positions, a lot of money in Thielen and Diggs, a lot of money in Rudolph draft picks in cook and draft picks and Irv Smith. It's all going to be tested. Whether Stefanski was the right move, which I think is right now an a plus move to fire DeFilippo and puts Stefanski in there at this moment. Uh, But it's all going to be tested because this is no longer, well, you know, maybe they'll win, but it was really the defense's fault. And when you get to the playoffs, that won't work. Scoring 28 points on the road on primetime against the Cowboys to win a game, that works, that plays in the playoffs. That was a playoff-like game that we just saw. And the Vikings came out on top. And I think this one does say a lot about them. This is not one of those... Well, you know their defense. No, it's an impressive win. This is a it's great win. win.
0: Yeah, it's it's an impressive win. This is to me, to me, this is the first of their seven wins where I actually can say, okay, I give you a lot of credit here. And it might it might not have been perfect, and it might not have been pretty, but you know what? It's a tough place to play. They did a good job. Here's okay. So here's where I think, as you talk about being excited about this too, I think that they have to be careful though. I think what we know is this. Kirk by himself basically can lead you to – can destroy bad teams. I think Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, okay? So I think he can destroy bad teams. But what we saw tonight was the perfect Kirk game plan, which is Kirk does not not need to have kid gloves um, or, or to be handled with kid gloves in every start. But I think like tonight, Stefanski and Kubiak need to give him a definite structure. And I think the game plan, and we saw this against the Cowboys, needs to be this. You sit Kirk down and say, Kirk, you're the point guard, and you've got stars. You've got star power here. So we know that you're a very good point guard and that you can do your job. But here's how it's going to go, and Dalvin Cook is going to to do this, and at times Diggs is going to do that, and Thielen, once he he comes back as well. So I think when you send Kirk Cousins out there against the Giants of the world or, or Washington, you could say, Kirk, go to it and Kirk can destroy those right, teams. Get those pro
1: bowl stats up.
0: Yeah, exactly. But but in you know, but in Kansas City you can't be like, "Okay, Kirk, we think this is going to work." Kirk needs almost complete structure. And tonight it seemed like they had complete structure and, and they were asking Kirk to do some very important things, but I don't think that they were ever asking Kirk to do things that made Kirk one perform too much on the fly or two were things where you would have said, "If Kevin Stefanski had asked you on Friday, you probably would have said, Kevin, I think that might be too much. Tonight they gave him a playbook that was the perfect Kirk playbook. And I think this all goes back to as you alluded to, Matthew, our previous discussion, lean into the cousins. I think sometimes that means you lean all in, and sometimes that means you go halfway. And and I just I thought they came up with a formula tonight that showcased cousins as what he can be, which I think is a really good point guard. Well,
1: I, I wrote about this after the Kansas City game that the Chiefs had the perfect kryptonite for the Vikings, but one of the solutions to them making sure that Stephon Diggs didn't get behind them was screen passes to Delvin Cook. And, I mean, they were perfectly executed tonight, and that's the thing with this offense is that it can be dynamic. And that's what we truly saw here tonight is that there are times where this offense has succeeded when they're being played a certain way. Single high safety, we've talked about that before, and, and aggressive with the linebackers, where, and, and, you know, moving the safeties up and things like that, where that's when you take your shots because there's no way they could put a safety over everybody. But what Kevin Stefanski did was said, you know what? Kansas City figured out some of the things to slow down those deep shots. So that means that they've got safeties running 30, 40, 50 yards away from the play. Guess where all that room is now? That's for the screen passes. And that's just well done. It's just, you're not doing the same things over and over. You can shift, you can be dynamic. And to me, the more you are getting the ball to Delvin Cook in space, passing him the football. I mean, you look at what he averaged per carry, rush versus pass, 3.7 per rush, which isn't, it isn't a perfect demonstration because he had some explosive plays. And then at the end, they just handed off three times. He lost a bunch of yards, but he averaged 12 yards a catch. In the passing game, and that's where you could get even more big explosive plays from him. I'd like to see that every week where it's five to seven receptions from him. But that's the biggest thing. That's why this team can win. It's why we've always thought this team can win, is because they have two Pro Bowl receivers, a Pro Bowl tight end in the past who could still play an up and coming tight end, and now maybe the number one or number two running back in the entire NFL. Like this team should win. And tonight was a demonstration that they can, and that's the standard they're going to be held to, uh, held to going forward. Like as they go, you know, Monday night football against Seattle, Monday night football against Green Bay. Like these things are going to be expected to happen again, and this sh- team going forward here should be looked at as – with the same expectations as the 49ers, the Saints, Green Bay, none of those teams are perfect or so much awful well, ahead. Often, uh, yeah,
0: they the did. Saints looked, none the of, Saints looked pathetic against the Falcons. Yeah, and look, this is a good team. The maddening thing about this team is it's sort of a Jekyll and Hyde team. Yeah, there are weeks that we, that we watch this team and say, what the hell? Yep. Tonight, was, tonight was a step in the right direction. But as, as far as I'm concerned, I'll go back to, to what I said on all our various shows on Score North last week which is, this was step one. I need to see two more of these before I go and say, you know what, this is for real. I need to see, beat Denver, which I think that you will, but then go to Seattle and do this again, and beat them. And and now, I I do believe that your pass defense is going to have to perform far superior to what it probably did tonight to beat Russell Wilson, but if you come out of Seattle and you've won three consecutive games, two against good teams uh, in prime time on the road, then there is No question that I'm going to be impressed and say, okay, this isn't just a good team, but your identity is now as a good team. Yep. And And that's where I waver right now.
1: And I think that they could play this exact same game and beat Seattle that Seattle's home field advantage and their defense are not what they used to be, and the Vikings should be able to run on them. And they're a team that loves to be aggressive and put people in the box, and that's where the Vikings hit on big plays. Jameis Winston went absolutely crazy against them last week and threw for a ton of yards. I think the Vikings can do the same. And now you're looking set up to go neck and neck with Green Bay, but having an easier schedule with more home games uh, than Green Bay does. And now I look at the season as in a lot of ways, coming down to that matchup. And, and yep. look, if they lose against Denver, then it'll be a very different story. If it, I'm putting that in the category of you should win that game. I'd be shocked if you don't. I've never even heard of this quarterback. Like, this is one where the Vikings have always, except for just Buffalo last year, have almost always taken care of business, especially at U.S. Bank Stadium. So you win that game. And then yep. I, you have convinced me now after this that you can beat Seattle. You can beat Green Bay when they come to U.S. Bank Stadium, where Aaron Rodgers has never played well. And then you can beat Chicago with a quarterback who you know looks like a backup at this point. And, and you're looking at now this being a huge swing game to, OK, will they make the playoffs or they go nine and seven to this can actually be a great season for this team. And they can fulfill what they set out to fulfill when they signed Kirk Cousins, just maybe a year later than they expected to. That's how, Consistent, that's how big this consistency,
0: is. Consistency, Matthew Collar. That's what I want to see. Oh I yeah. See no, I agree. Consistency against good teams. I and agree. when I see that, because the personnel here is definitely there. The question becomes, can you, can you and your play calling and your quarterback, can you do this on a weekly basis against good teams? Because you should. And by the way, again, too, look, the opportunity is there. Nobody in this conference absolutely scares you. San Francisco's undefeated, and they're having a hell of a year. But you know, and I like them a lot. But beyond that, the Saints look terrible today, and and the Packers won, but they barely won. And so there's there's nothing about this conference that says. Oh, my God. Once you play that team, you're done. Nobody that team.
1: More or less every win by the Packers this year has been they barely won that have been good, and they had a disappointment game out in L.A., too. So, um, yeah, yep, Uh, this is a huge swing win. If they had lost this game, Judd, we would have been talking about are they even going to make the playoffs? That's how big this was.
0: I'd like to personally – from the Vikings extend a very big thank you to Jason Garrett because he made sure that didn't happen. Oh,
1: that is for sure. That is for sure. So Dak just, Prescott
0: did not lose that game.
1: <laughs> no, he played one of the best games I have seen in a long time. That, I, that was as impressive as it gets, especially when he had pressure and rolling out. And I think that's what makes it impressive, though, in a way, is that Dak Prescott played great and your quarterback played good enough to beat him. And yep. that has not happened too many times. Um, since kirk cousins joined the minnesota vikings so and,
0: uh, and your and your star back outplayed their star back and their oh, star by back, a mile is the guy that everybody talks about
1: yeah by a mile yep. um and your star back is going to get paid but that's a conversation for another day so um judd good stuff we will talk to you tomorrow and every uh, day two to four We'll have Sage Rosenfels breaking it down, Alex Boone breaking it down, uh, Courtney Cronin will be there as well. Lots to continue to talk about after a huge win against Dallas. If you have not um, subscribed to the podcast and you're just running across it, make sure you do that. Make sure you leave a comment and so forth. We always appreciate that. So we will catch you later. Thanks for listening to Purple Daily.